This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Scott Lenartz, Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at Voicebox. They come up with a solution, but nobody understands what the problem is that is being solved. Right, yeah. And, and you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of history of that. And so one of the things when we think about the in-room experiences, how does the technology help you do things in a seamless way that feels good? Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. In this episode, we explore the mobile-first experience of Voicebox Karaoke with our guest, Scott Lenartz. We'll hear about what inspired their unique experience how they use digital to support and enable that unique experience with a closer look at what you should consider for your mobile experience. Scott Lenartz is an experienced marketing professional, leader, and accomplished yogi. Whether growing a Silicon Valley business to multi-billion dollar run rates, revamping a local yoga studio to better serve the Portland community, or balancing a handstand in the early morning, Scott has successfully navigated a variety of challenges, both large and small. Scott has a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and Mathematics, a Master of Business Administration, and is a Yoga Alliance E-R-Y-T 500. He is currently the owner of Yoga Boga in Portland, Oregon, as well as the Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at Voicebox Incorporated. So Scott, thanks uh, for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. Yeah, definitely. So I'm very passionate about knowing how and why things work, and I love getting my hands dirty to find out. So, Scott, what, what are you passionate about? What do you like to do? What gets you up in the morning? The thing that I really get excited about is waking up, going into work, and then putting my energy into something where I see a change and I see something happen. And that might sound really you know obvious in a certain sense, but uh, I think that more and more in our modern culture, there are different jobs where, where people go to work and, and the roles have become so specialized that people, they do a very specific procedure, they make a very specific part of a larger system, and they don't quite get to see the impact of like, what's the result and the, the, the end outcome of it. And, and that's what I, um, it really gets me going when I get to see the impact of something that I'm doing. So what is, was it about your upbringing or your thought process or your experience that's caused that for you to be, you know, that outcome focused? I've had a career in high tech. And so I worked at different sized companies. I worked at really small companies. I worked at really large companies. And I really enjoyed some of the things about working at large companies, especially if they're really well-run larger companies because you get to meet so many people and, and, and there can be quite a few smart people that you, you meet and you get inspired by and you learn things from. And, that, and that's been my experience. But then also as companies get bigger and especially if you're going during the growth phase of a company where you start to see things, you have more and more people, you're trying to steer a bigger and bigger ship. And so, you know, there was experiences where I was in a role, you know, setting a direction, you know, setting a goal, making a decision. And then I, I didn't even know what the outcome of the decision was until maybe two years later, because right? you'd spin all these things up. 
you take a read, you, you make some choices and you say, okay, I think that, I think this is going to happen. And then, you know, in a certain sense, then you're kind of waiting. So you're waiting for teams to spin things up. You're waiting for budgets to get aligned, you're waiting for things to get pushed out the door, Salesforce to get educated, you know, and, and then finally you sort of see like, well, what is the reaction in the market? Did we make the thing that we were trying to make? And, uh, you know, there's just so many pieces and players involved that, you know, it's a very different timeline and it's much more about the, the process in a certain sense than the result. And so I like now with where I am right now, we're, we're, we're smaller, we're a little bit more nimble and, and I get to see kind of the, the feedback and, and get the reward of like, okay, like we made a choice, we went and did this and then, you know, see if I was right or wrong or, you know, how things turned out. Got it. So do you think it was more of a frustration or more of like a craving, something that you wanted? It was just a craving because people have experience in different sized companies. I, I like the dynamic of a large company in certain ways. And I, you get to work with a lot of people, but working with people, another word for that is just, you know, there's more, it's a little political or you're trying to line folks and manage people. And I think there can be great reward in that, but it's a certain a certain sense of it. some people desire that and other people they get repelled by it. I kind of like both, but at least the phase I'm in right now, I really am craving just more rapid impact. Right. Well, it's that gratification for all the, it's the fruit of that labor, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I, I find really exciting. We, we get to decide things. We get to put people right on it. And, you know, immediately we spin it up and we see what happens. Can you maybe walk us through this path that you took and, and some of some more personal growth and, and pivots that you made along the way, you know, maybe all the way back to Nokia, to Cisco, to, you know, now VoiceBox? Yeah, sure. So I was very interested in technology as a kid. And uh, I think when I turned eight, I got an Atari 2600. It was like the greatest birthday of my life to this day when I got that. And super stoked, super interested in how it worked. Got a Commodore 64, was into like, started learning how to do programming. And, you know, we get these programming magazines in the mail. And they'd have like a sample thing of like code you could put in and see something happen. And I just, it was always fascinated with that. And I went to college and I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Like, I didn't understand the, the industry of software or tech, but I knew that I liked the computers that I had as a hobby. So I, I got a degree in computer science, which I thought was awesome. I was loved learning about it. And it was very much like a more mathematically focused discipline uh, to where I went to school. And when I got out, this is in like the mid nineties, there, there were so many people looking for people who could program computers. It was really kind of uh, you had your choice of any job. and it, it was a complete stroke of luck on my part. I had no idea, but I, I found that really fascinating. And I got a job at Bell Labs working in telecom, which in a way was kind of, you know, a little bit of an unusual choice for me because and you have to remember, this is sort of like pre the internet as we know it. And so the way you got information on jobs and what was going on was much more like person to person and talking to people and you know, you, you just didn't Google stuff because Google didn't exist, you know, and you didn't smart. No, none of the technology we take for granted now existed. And so I started to work at Bell Labs. And the one thing I, I realized was like, hey, like everybody's like older than me. And, I, you know, and they were they were sort of like trying to get younger people to join the company. And I had joined it because I knew Bell Labs, like they had invented all these things that I, I thought were really cool. 
but then when I was working there, I was like, well, this, this seems like a little slow and a little kind of sluggish and not quite what I was looking for. And I, and as I would talk to people, I was like, well, like, where are all the young people? And they're like, oh, they've all gone to like Silicon Valley. And I, I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's this place out in California. There's like all these companies. And so I knew people, even in the short time I've been at Bell Labs, that had gone out there and gotten jobs. And so I, I called a couple people and, you know, I, I was at the end of it, I was debating between joining Cisco Systems or Pets.com, you know. <laughs> Right. And pets.com was very aggressive. You know, we're going to make you a multi-billionaire in a year and this can't fail. You know, and this is all during like the beginning, like the internet bubble. And I had just a moment of hesitation where I was like, I don't understand. Cause like, you're really just selling dog food. Like don't quite, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. Whereas with Cisco, you know, I understood like, Oh, like this is a product and it does something and it has like a value to it. And so I went with that and that turned out to be like a smart decision. And I got involved in a group that was relatively small within Cisco, and they made networking switches, and they were sort of like the lower end of the portfolio of Cisco's products. And I think it'd be fair to, in some sense, consider the group kind of like the runt within the company. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the like most prestigious place to work. It was a small group of people when I joined. But over the years I worked there, that group became a, like a multi-billion dollar group with the products that we were selling and these products they literally went in everywhere you could imagine you know we think of telecom of you know in that time like hey did you guys know you could share a printer and wouldn't that be cool or you know you could actually do email at everybody's desk and that was sort of like the pitch early on but it quickly morphed into hey you have automation like forward assembly line that's you know they're building cars and they got to have the robots communicate use our product you have all these retailers like Target and Walmart. You got to connect all your point of sale systems so you know what's being sold, so you know when to reorder. So they're all buying this stuff. Like every like you know large enterprise that had any sort of data in any form, including all these alternates that weren't just like PC desktops, started buying this product and asking for different things. And so it was a really exciting like place to be in at that time because business grew quite quickly. You got to see and do a lot of things, and in that time. You know, I went back to school, I got an MBA, sort of shifted my focus from engineering to much more of a, like a business focus of talking to people who wanted to buy this stuff, going to different parts of the world and, you know, sort of seeing differences in different countries and how different businesses got run and sort of almost became an in-house consultant where my job at Cisco would be to go and meet people and say, hey, like, okay, you own this business in China, you know, you're, you're making basketballs or whatever it is. And, you know, if you modernize some of this telecom equipment, you'd be able to take orders online, manage your inventory, make more money. And it just gave me great exposure to kind of understanding what people's real pain points were Mm. and to understand like a huge variety of businesses and how they worked. And so I thought that was awesome. So I did that for quite a long time. And then eventually company got large, got a little slower. You know, I moved around into a couple of other things, especially like sort of the emerging sort of like internet of things and and started to do some stuff there. But I I decided to leave Cisco and then changed pace and and started working with a friend who I had met at Cisco and he had started this company, Voicebox. And Voicebox was private room karaoke, which seems like dramatically different from like (laughs) high tech world. Yeah. 
people are like, well, what, what's that? That's like weird. You know, it, it's like a bar, right? <laughs> the interesting thing about karaoke that nobody would think of unless you were trying to do this is all of the equipment and the software and the systems that are made for people to do karaoke and actually control it in a room, it's made for the Asian market. So there's nothing made for the American market. So you have very limited options and they're all really bad. And so VoiceBox started in 2008. And at that time, you know, people are just starting to like have smartphones in any sort of real, like, you know, tangible way. Like, and up until that, maybe you had a pager, maybe you knew a friend that had one of these, like, you know, we look back on, you know, even when we, I feel like even when we had some of these phones at the time, we knew they were kind of crappy. Mm -hmm. Like you have like the, I remember some of the, you know, Blackberries for people who are like in business. So that's not really like a, a big consumer thing at the time. And I remember I had like Samsung had come out with like the Blackjack and that was like their big consumer phone. That is, it is awful. Like it's a Windows phone before it was Windows phone. It was like Windows mobile. Like everything's clunky and slow, <laughs> difficult. And that uh, iPhone came out right around that time. And, and people were kind of like, oh, like, I could actually like see a web page on my phone, like in a real way that is useful. Like, and that started to change everybody's expectation of how they're going to interact with stuff. That's really when sort of like some of the, the the magic of developing stuff for the experience at VoiceBox really like took root. And we took it from there. Yeah, I mean, this is an awesome segue. I think into what is VoiceBox. Can you tell us a little bit about it? How it works? You know, what's what's the big value prop? Yeah, totally. So it's more and more relevant because what we're doing is we're we're providing a space for people to have genuine human interaction and do an activity that is entertaining. And it's increasingly rare in our world because you know, the great irony is we have all of this software through social media and other things that are designed to be connectors. But anybody who's spent any time on Facebook knows, like, I always feel like it's not a connector, it's a reflector. So you curate who your friends are. Most people, they get rid of all the people they don't like or that disagree with them. And then all of the sort of the messaging and the news and all the stuff that you like becomes the, the universe that you're peering into. It's really a reflection of yourself, not getting connected and having real experience with anybody. And so it's a real it's a modern challenge. Mm -hmm. And what we provide at VoiceBox is you physically go to a room and you close the door with people. And by and large, it's people that you know. It's your friends or it's your coworkers. And you sit down and you have a genuine experience of like singing and dancing and being silly. And when people go into the room, they're in one of two camps. They're super excited, maybe because they're the organizer. <laughs> or they're kind of like... I'd rather be anywhere but here because I don't want to sing and I have a bad voice and I hate everything about this. But when the door closes and a few people sing and you realize it's just you and your friends, like there's nobody else, nobody's, right. there's no score, there's no judges, and you're just there to be genuine and authentic and have some fun and be silly. When people relax into that, which almost everybody does at some point, then they just have, I can only describe as almost like a cathartic experience of enjoyment and being genuine with friendship. And uh, 
that's what we're really trying to do. And I think we've achieved it. And we've done it with the help of technology, but we're using technology to get to that state. And, and it's not technology for technology's sake. And that's the thing I always get irritated with is, and I say this with an engineering background, is sometimes the engineers, they come up with a solution, but nobody understands what the problem is that is being solved. Right, yeah. And, and you know, there's a, lot, there's a long history of that. And so one of the things when we think about the in-room experiences, how does the technology help you do things in a seamless way that feels good? And, and that's really what we need to do. We want to get rid of all the confusion. We want to make it feel and seem obvious and intuitive. And you have to do very little to get into the experience. And then as you want to tailor it a little bit more, maybe try out a few other things that add and augment to what you're doing, you can do that, but you don't have to. And, and it's left to you to kind of explore and discover at your own pace. A great example of, of that in practice is one of the things that people do is if you're going to sing a song, you got to pick a song, right? That, that's a problem. And it becomes a huge issue because if you've never done it before, you're like, okay, oh God, got to sing a song. My mind's going blank. I can't think of any songs I know. I don't even know. I don't think I've ever heard music of my life. What am I going <laughs> to panic? And so we try to make it easy for that person. It's like, hey, here's the popular songs. It's, it's right there. You, you're like, all right, I'm going to look at my phone. There's a short web address on a large TV in the room that says, pull your phone out and go here. Like, okay. Almost everybody has a phone. Pull it out. The page loads in a fraction of a second. There's no app that you have to install. There's nothing, there's no multi-step process where you download something or configure anything. You just type in a short address. There it is. Great. Okay. Top 100 songs. I hit that. I see a whole listing of songs. Typically there's something there. Or you can look at some categories, look at songs for beginners or duets or whatever it is. These are all the popular things that are easier to do and people have a good chance of having some reasonable result with you know attempting it and then you just you just hit the song and then that song appears on the larger screen so it, it very simple process and we, we've made the technology so it makes it very simple and very quick and you're not really even thinking about like oh there's this web app that i'm looking at or i'm looking at a technology piece or you know it just is a seamless tool that's helping you do something else. And, and that's the kind of experience I'm really going after and what we're really proud that we've achieved. I love that. I, I kind of want to reiterate a couple of the points that you made because I think they're awesome and worth, worth noting. Um, I love that you said voice boxes and technology for technology's sake. It's you know, how you're intentionally using technology to enable a unique experience in the karaoke industry. And I love that example that you used. Can you maybe give... Another example of, of how you're using technology to enable a, a tailored and unique experience for karaoke? Yeah, totally. So one of the things that we like to do is there's the anticipation of like, especially people who understand our model and, and what's going on. They're like, oh, I'm going to go to Voicebox with my friends. You know, someone's going to have a birthday party. And I hear a couple songs on the radio that I think would be really fun to sing. So they can go and go to our web address and then they create an account, which for us is super simple. Like give us an email, 
boom, you're in your account, like a very minimal set of information. So we make it easy to do that. And then they can look these songs up and then create a playlist. Now, what's nice about that is a lot of times, like you go to the party the night of and you're like, oh, what was that thing that I was thinking about that I wanted to sing? You can't remember. <laughs> but when you're out of the vent, like you're not at a voice box, but you can interact with voice box anytime you want. So you hear a new song, you're like, oh, hit song, awesome. Look it up, put it in my playlist. Then when you're actually there the night of the party, the playlist is right there. And you just literally hit the song in your playlist and then it shows up on the larger screen. And so we've made it really seamless for you to kind of have anticipation and fun with the process before you arrive. And then when you're there, you're like, oh yeah, here's all these things I put in. It's really seamless and fun. And then even once you leave, then we send you an email that says, we hope you had a great time. By the way, here's the playlist that every, all the songs that you sang over the course of the party. And you can look at that and be like, oh, like, I remember that. Like, so-and-so did that version of that. And they did that funny dance. And like, that was really like awesome. Or, you know, that person sang that song, everybody started crying. And it just, we're really trying to extend the experience, not for just when you're in the store, but before and after. And that's what the technology lets us do is it, it lets us kind of like, Let's you remember and kind of curate the experience that you're going to have. Very cool. So voice out of the box, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Very cool. I kind of want to dig into the strategy a little bit, how you guys went uh, mobile responsive as opposed to a mobile app, because you called that out. You know, you don't have to download the mobile app. And I think a lot of times when people think mobile first or even mobile in general, they jump right to a mobile app. And there's just so many other applications for, you know, not a better word, but ways to apply, right, mobile experience. And so can you maybe talk through the strategy with going the route that you did, why you went that route, and why, you know, you haven't decided to invest into an application experience? Oh, totally. Because we just think apps suck. (laughs) And the reason I say is, from a user experience point of view, there is nothing pleasurable about installing an app. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the ultimate example is if you fly anywhere and you're, you're sitting on the plane and they say, Wi-Fi is available. And you're like, great. You get your phone out and you sign onto the network. And it's like, oh, you have to install the GoGo in-flight app. And you're like, all right. And then the bandwidth of the plane is admittedly slow. And then you're sitting there trying to install this app. And it's just crawling by. And then it finally gets installed. So you've waited all this time just to, all you want to do is like check your email or send a text or something. <laughs> you to wait forever for this app to install. And then you launch it and you have to go through field after field of like, what's your name? What's your address? What's your phone number? What's this? What's your favorite hobby? What's your dog's name? And you're like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. Like, I don't want to enter all this in. I just want to use the internet on the plane. Like, that's why I, I don't care who GoGo is. I'm never going to use this app again. And then you get through all that. And then it's like, can't connect or the app crashes or, you know, it's the most miserable experience of the world. Uh And so when we thought we're thinking about that and it's like, well, okay, you come in and you're a little nervous about singing, or maybe you're not the most technologically sophisticated person and everybody's ready to get going. And then we're like, Hey, let's pour cold water on this and tell everybody to install an app. And you're like, okay, you got to find it in the app store or, you know, now you gotta, it's like, oh, I don't have enough space on my phone or like, I don't know what I'm doing or I installed it. I can't find it. 
Like it's just all that stuff is so, you know, I, I feel like sophisticated tech people take these things for granted. Mm -hmm. If you try to do anything with, you know, a large group of varied people, you immediately run into all these issues. And I know too, I, I, I'm a technologist and I hate installing apps. Like it's not, it's not fun. And anyway, I, I have yet to meet a person who's like, really like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to go home on a Friday night and install some apps on my phone. We're, we have a different goal. Right. And so that's why we were like, this going to the app store is slow, it's clunky, it's a pain in the ass. We want to get out of people's way so they can have a good time and they can get into the experience of doing something with their friends. And so that's why it just became really obvious to us, like do a web app, super fast, super snappy, lightweight. And that way people aren't thinking about it. They're just, they're in the experience. Definitely. And I had a guest on recently from Gartner, actually, who was talking about understanding what your mobile value prop is as a business. And that for me, that really stuck with me. And so now I, I kind of try to work that into these sort of conversations because not every company needs a mobile app. Some companies do need a mobile app. And just understanding what that mobile value prop is. And for your uh, use case, it doesn't make sense to put them through these extra hoops, you know, to get to the experience where I wonder, you know, maybe with your, you know, voice out of the box model where it's before or after when they're out mobile, where maybe they don't have connectivity and having to, you know, do things offline. Does your experience uh, allow for that? Or is that something that you would be considering for somewhat of a native experience? When we think about like, what is our, like, what are we trying to do? We're not trying to provide like karaoke at home or you know, like, hey, I'm offline and gee, if only I had downloaded this entire song catalog and I could go and flip through it and that would really be like a relief. Like, that's just not a real problem for us. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Most of our guests, like, they're going to have internet access enough of the time that their interaction with us is not going to be a problem. You know, it's not like they're playing Mario Run on the subway and they lose internet and then they like, the whole thing is ruined. That, that's not the engagement model with us. So in that sense, that, that was the easy call. We, we didn't need to have a, an offline solution. And all of the sort of the control and capabilities that we need to do, you know, especially with like HTML5 and kind of like the ongoing evolution of the browser experience and the power that's in the browser, you know, we couldn't have done this 10 years ago. Mm, right. But now there's so much more capability that, that trade-off that maybe, you know, five years ago you had to make between like in-browser experience versus app, it's not as stark. And with what we need to do, we're able to do it quite successfully and not having to implement an app. So like you mentioned, you know, 10 years ago, definitely a technology hurdle there. There's just been the advancement of, of digital that's allowed, enabled this experience. And so now that you're where you're at now, you know, you've expanded into 12 locations. What are these next hurdles that you're facing currently that are prohibiting you from reaching that next level in scaling? Well, as we look to grow our business, you know, it, the technology is not the challenge. Like we understand that part pretty well. It's really continuing to grow. So as you get an organization that gets bigger, you just need to keep hiring people and developing talent so that everything can scale and that you don't get so far like ahead on your skis that you just like tumble down and collapse. So, you know, we have all of the classic challenges of, you know, as businesses grow, 
how do you scale? And, and that's really what we're looking at. You know, also like continuing to like raise capital for expansion and sort of what I would call like the, the, the classic dilemma of like growing a business, but good problems to have. With the tech side, we're so lucky in that we get to engage with our guests and we get lots of feedback and we can see how it's being used and we also use it directly ourselves. that we get a sense of like, hey, does this feel good? Is it entertaining? Is it helping people get together and have good experiences that when they walk out of voice box, they're going to tell all their friends, that was amazing and you have to go try it yourself. You know, we have a good sense of that. And, you know, there's certain things that we want to do to kind of tie in better to social media and make it easier, not for us to like push stuff on people, but to make it easier for the people who go to VoiceBox to share their genuine experiences with their friend groups in a way that's really authentic and honest. And we think that the experience we provide is so good that when we do that, our guests become our advocates and, and it helps us just have more people come in and, and experience it and helps us grow. Scott, you mentioned something that I think is is worth mentioning or worth recapping, actually, that you interact with your customers being just part of the service. So I think it's really cool that you pretty much have customer feedback baked into the model. So it's part of the service that you're offering. You're essentially just getting that feedback and that's you have a really tight loop with being able to then implement it because you just have this constant input of, of feedback information. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how we will roll features out. Like we had an idea for what we call pop-ups. And what that was is we were, we were sitting around and kind of like you know, we've all had our own personal experiences being in the rooms with our friends and doing things and then talking to guests and what their experiences are like. And uh we we're talking about the VH1 show pop-up video where like, you know, there's music. But then there's also sort of like comments that show up on the screen. And so we implemented the feature called pop-ups where you can on your phone enter in a text message and then it pops up on the screen that everybody can see. And so you could, you know, offer encouragement or, you know, the opposite of encouragement or you know, <laughs> it is that you, you want to do, you know, and, and it's pretty fun. And it, it's another way for people to engage where, you know, maybe you're not the person that wants to sing and you don't have to. And, but you're still engaging in a different way. Like you're, you're watching and you're participating and you're clapping and then you're like posting messages about like what's going on that everybody can see. And so it just brings it all together in another way. And that's a good example of, hey, we don't know if people are going to like this or not. But then, you know, being tech people, we also have all of our statistics on the back end so we can see what gets used. And then we're like, yeah, like, look at all these pop-ups. And, you know, you, we, we can see all the content and like all this stuff that people are saying. And we're like, hey, that's amazing. That's inspiring. Or like, that is depraved filth and <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, right? You know, we, we see all the, all the usage of it, you know, just really, uh, people really took it up. And so, yeah, we do have a tight loop and we're, we're able to really kind of see usage and engagement and talk to folks and just kind of understand what's going on. And, and that helps us put things in that are, again, like adding to the experience versus just putting like a ton of stuff that people are like, uh, here's like all this stuff. I'm like, I don't even care about half this stuff. And it's just in the way and fussy and annoying. Like we want the stuff to add to the experience. And I think we followed that line pretty closely. 
Really cool. So do you have a coolest thing that you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out? Well, we have a couple things that we're, we're working on. And so the last thing that we pushed out that we did is a, a feature called roulette. And what roulette is, is you can go to a page on the phone and it shows you a giant roulette wheel. You spin the roulette wheel and then it'll suggest 10 random songs for you. And the reason we did this is there's a, something about, like we notice people in the rooms where we also have songbooks that are printed on paper. And if you've ever done karaoke, like you know what this is. It's just a mm-hmm. big bound book, ton of pages, sorted by artists, sorted by title. And you just like flip through it and you see all these things. And the one thing that you don't get a sense for if you just do like a Google style search is you lose the sort of like organic pleasure of like browsing through things and then being like, oh yeah, like I remember that band or that song. I remember I was in high school and that song came out. I thought it was so great. (laughs) You lose that because when you're searching like and typing things into a search bar, your mind is kind of shaping the results. And it's not like this sort of organic stuff being presented. And so a lot of people, they don't touch the paper books anymore. And so we wanted to recreate like that pleasure of browsing and seeing sort of just stuff put in front of you. And so that's what roulette does is you spin the roulette wheel and it'll show you some different things. And people just get a kick out of it. And, And it sounds so simple. And that's the beauty of it. It is simple, but it serves a certain function that adds to the experience of what's going on in the room. And so, you know, we just put that out this year and, we love it. I think it's great. And uh, our guests get a kick out of it. So if we wanted to keep tabs on some of these recent updates and some of the things you're working on, where's the best place for us to go to check these things out? Yeah, just get your phone, open your web browser, go to vbsongs.com, and it's all right there. Vbsongs, so V is in Victor, B is in Boy, songs.com, plural songs? V is in Voice, B is in Box. Box, Voice Box. All right. So everyone, yeah, go out to uh, voiceboxvbsongs.com and check out what Scott is working on over there. And also make sure to tune in this Friday to a rapid fire round where Scott is going to be sharing some of his most valuable resources. Well, Scott, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time and rocking the mic outside of karaoke to join yeah. us today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, likewise. It was, it was great to talk with you and I, I really appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in this Friday for a rapid fire round with Scott, where he'll share some of his quick hit resources. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit emergemobilefirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first. Mobile first.